Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. California's attorney general has petitioned federal regulators to issue an emergency rule to protect workers from extreme heat. KQED's Farida Javala Romero reports. Heat is the leading cause of death among all weather-related workplace hazards, and the dangers for workers in jobs like agriculture are rising with climate change. In 2021, federal regulators began considering a new rule to address the problem, but that process is expected to take years. So Attorney General Rob Bonta is one of seven AGs asking for an emergency temporary standard to start May 1st. California requires employers to offer outdoor workers water and shade when 80 degrees are hot but that doesn't cover indoor work sites. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala Romero. Frontline environmental advocates are gearing up for a new fight now that a California law that would ban new oil drilling near homes, schools, and community sites is on hold. Industry groups have gathered enough signatures to qualify the issue for the 2024 ballot. KQED's Laura Clivens has details of the ongoing fight. For years, Estela Escoto has pushed lawmakers to protect her small town of Arvin from the impacts of oil drilling. People are sick with asthma and allergies. She celebrated when Governor Gavin Newsom signed a law last year requiring a 3,200-foot buffer zone between new oil and gas infrastructure and neighborhoods. But industry groups spent roughly $20 million to roll that back. Not as shocking, but very disappointing. Senator Lena Gonzalez of Long Beach helped craft the law. She says the oil industry simply wants to maintain the status quo. Rock Zierman heads the California Independent Petroleum Association and says the setback rule would lead to less in-state oil production. While he acknowledges California is transitioning to clean energy, he says we're still using lots of oil. There is a demand, 1.8 million barrels every single day. And the question is, is where do you get it? 
Zierman argues other countries have weaker environmental regulations than California, and importing more oil will have a net negative impact on the planet. Environmental justice advocate Kobe Nasik fought for the setback law and says industry is using the ballot to change good policy. We're seeing big corporations spend money in an unheard of way to undo a regulation. In Arvin, Estela Escoto says she'll keep fighting for larger buffer zones for new oil wells. For The California Report, I'm Laura Clivens. Shipping companies have agreed to pay $45 million to business owners and residents in Orange County who sued over a massive oil spill in 2021. Amplify Energy owned the pipeline that burst, causing 25,000 gallons of oil to spill off the coast of Huntington Beach. Amplify has accused the shipping companies of allowing their vessels to drag their anchors during a winter storm that year. They say one of the ships likely damaged the pipeline months before it burst. The shipping firms have denied any wrongdoing. Both sides are scheduled to go to trial in April over responsibility for the spill. Much of the Orange County coast was impacted for weeks after the spill as beaches were shut down in the region, deeply impacting local businesses that rely on tourism dollars. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as like the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. A new housing project called Paul's Place opened in Davis this week. Organizers say the unique four-story design, which combines temporary shelter with permanent apartments, will help unhoused people achieve stability. Cap Radio's Chris Nichols toured the building. The hope at Paul's Place is that features like private apartments, wide-open communal kitchens, big windows and balconies will make a difference when combined with mental health and addiction services. Inside, the center has four emergency shelter beds on the ground floor, 10 transitional housing units on the second, and 18 permanent supportive housing units, meaning fully furnished apartments on the top floors. Well, this is the kitchen area. Cabinetry's just gotten put in and we don't have the appliance in here yet, but there will be a stove, a refrigerator. Bill Pride leads the nonprofit Davis Community Meals and Housing, which owns and operates Paul's Place. It's provided services for those in need on the same site since the 1990s. At the new center, Pride says people who start out seeking a night of shelter will have the opportunity to gain housing. I, I think the idea is to just kind of get across to folks there is a path forward. And I know here it's kind of a linear path. You can go from being on the streets, doing the first floor, to 
being on the second floor at the transitional housing, which is a program to help folks, you know, get stabilized. The building, whose walls are painted sky blue, gold, white, and gray, is named after his late father, Paul, a World War II veteran and prisoner of war who suffered from mental illness. Pride says he hopes Paul's place can offer residents the healing his father never received. He adds that sobriety is not a requirement to live at Paul's place, though residents won't be allowed to drink or use drugs in common areas. Pride says staff will be on site at Paul's place 24-7. They'll use security cameras to monitor areas outside the building, which has separate entrances for each level of housing. In my experience, we're going to have problems. I know it's not going to be everybody. It's probably just going to be a very small number of folks, but I would anticipate that, you know, we may have to ask some folks to leave. Pride says Paul's Place, which received a mix of private donations and government funds, should welcome its first residents by the end of the month. He expects all four floors to be full by this spring. For the California Report, I'm Chris Nichols in Sacramento. And that's the California Report for Friday, February 10th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Danny Bringer, Brendan Willard, Jim Bennett, and Seal Muller. Our producers are Amanda Stupai and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our interim director of news is Erica Kelly. Our vice president of news is Ethan Toven Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford HealthCare. Alerting listeners to the critical blood shortage in the area, now's the time to donate blood and make a difference. StanfordBloodCenter.org. Guideline. Their automated 401k plans can be set up in 20 minutes. More at Guideline.com CA. Guideline. The California way to 401k. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, which bets early on exceptional people making the world better, on the web at schmidtfutures.com. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.